Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. We are continuing our journey through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Just so you know, here in July of 2022, we are still under a cough warning. The whole summer, guys. I'm sorry. It's going to take the whole summer. Jess, still recovering from COVID, followed by pneumonia, followed by just regular Midwest allergies. Yup. Oppressive heat that makes you feel like you can't breathe anyway. <laughs> Oppressive. <laughs> it's just like, makes me just think of like, like women being oppressed. <laughs> yes. By the weather and the but not by the, But not by the man, by the heat. By the heat. <laughs> and by the man. And by the man, yes. If you follow uh, current news here in July of 22. But we're not here to get political. We're here to get... We always end up doing We're here so. to get whizzical. <laughs> whizzical. 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 Let's, Let's get whizzical. Let's get into wizardry. Nice. We're going to be talking about Chapter 5 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, appropriately titled The Order of the Phoenix. But that's the title of the book, Daniel. What's the title of the chapter? There was this uh, band called Badfinger, or no, not Bad Company. Bad Company. And it was, there was a song called Bad Company by the band Bad Company. Guess what the name of the album was. Good company? Nope. <laughs> Bad company. <laughs> and that's uh, kind of what we're... Uh, it's like a very meta thing that we're doing here. Oh, like okay. the Order of the Phoenix chapter within the Order of the Phoenix book. Here on the Broomsticks and Butterbeer podcast. Brought to you by our friends at Pepsi. But it's not really about the Order of the Phoenix. It's like, hey, you can't be in the Order of the Phoenix. That's, that should be the name of the chapter. <laughs> you, you, you can't, you can't be sit in. here. <laughs> you can't be in the Order of the Phoenix. Well, before we get into Chapter 5, let's talk about uh, Chapter 4, which was Number 12, Grim Old Place. Recap. The Order of the Phoenix has rescued Harry from Privet Drive and takes him to Number 12, Grim Old Place, the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix. In addition to the crew that rescued Harry, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are there, Fred and George and Bill and Jenny Weasley are there, Ron and Hermione are there. All of the Weasleys are there? Mm, oh. No. Harry lets out all of his bubbling over emotions and feelings after being left in the dark all summer. We found, find out that the missing Weasley, Percy, has pretty much disowned his family and is siding with the Ministry on the whole Voldemort returning fiasco. We learn that the Ministry is basically controlling the news put out by the Daily Prophet. Uh, Professor Snape is also at number 12 Grimmauld Place, uh, apparently working as a spy for the Order while infiltrating uh, Voldemort's crew. At the end of the chapter, a crazed woman in a portrait starts throwing a tantrum, and it takes the emergence of Sirius Black to get the woman to shut up. Shut up. Because the woman in the portrait is Sirius's mother, and this apparently is the... Black family residence. And that's how he talks to his mother. Well, I mean, if my mother was <laughs> like that, <laughs> sometimes you have to uh, be forceful. You have to be forcefully stern. <laughs> and I don't think that telling mother to calm down <laughs> would work with uh, the crazy witch that we saw in the portrait. Probably not. I'd also like to put a side note on here. For everybody who's having a fit right now, yes, we're aware Charlie Weasley is not there, but that just wasn't part of the joke. He, yeah, he's been uh, via Zoom. Yeah. He's, they he's said he's been Skyping in. Skyping in. 
Could you imagine Mr. Weasley like trying to set up Skype like on a laptop? Like, first of all, he would have so much fun doing it. Okay, well, not not just setting it up. Just if like you set it up for him and you just set him down in front of a, a Zoom call with like five people on it, he would his brain would explode. He'd be. You think he'd be the guy to have his face like really close to the camera? Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Definitely. And he'd be yelling. It's like almost like the the like the you see those people on the the Zoom calls where like the Computer is like swallowing their head, like <laughs> sucking their head in. Uh, there's always somebody in our school who's just abnormally close to the to the camera. I'm like, dude, we can see you. Like, we can see every pore now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cameras are really good these days. Yeah, I think he'd have a good time with that, though. Uh, chapter five: The Order of the Phoenix. The Order of the Phoenix meeting is over, so the non-members—Fred, George, Harry, Ron, Jenny, and Hermione—are allowed to join for dinner. And in the last chapter, Tonks absentmindedly knocked over the umbrella holder, which set off Sirius's mom into her tirade. But then, early in this chapter, Tonks knocks over a candle, and then a chair. What's up with Tonks's clumsiness and the, here? When she first appeared, I, it was her who broke something in the kitchen. I totally at forgot Terry, about that. At, at Terry's house. At Terry's house. Oh my house. god. <laughs> I just combined Tonks and Harry mm-hmm. and made it Terry. At Terry's house. Uh, at Harry's aunt and uncle's house, yeah. So, yeah, you know, everybody's got that clumsy friend. So is this just like a fun story device, or is there like something to this? Is just No, just part she's of just Tonks clumsy. Just clumsy. It's It seems like, I don't know, J.K. Rowling's kind of going overboard with the... <laughs> the, the <laughs> like, I could see like if every once in a while she like... Oh, a little mishap, like a... Well, maybe we're just really laying the groundwork, hit, making sure making sure you notice. It's like she reminds you every page and a half. Oh, Tonks is silly, and she can't, you know, she's fumbly, and she can't uh, walk a straight line. Yeah, but she's an aura, so hopefully she can shoot straight. I hope so, too. Uh, Mundungus Fletcher is here. A.K.A. the one who left Harry unprotected in, in the underpass a few chapters ago because he had a unique business opportunity about some black market cauldrons. Yes, and we learned more about his business. We also learned that Mondungus seemingly slept through the Order of the Phoenix meeting. Uh, we also learned that he's an admitted criminal and likes to brag about it. But it doesn't seem like Mondungus fits in with the tenor and tone of the order here but Sirius seems to think that Mundungus has his uses as well right? Yeah yeah he's just that shady guy who who knows stuff that you wouldn't know because you don't run in those circles Mm -hmm. you gotta have it's kind of like like the X-Men had Wolverine and Wolverine was kind of the guy who if something drastic needed to be done, that would be the guy that would have no problem doing it. Yeah. Breaking and, breaking the rules, the law. Stabbing a fool. Stabbing, <laughs> murdering people. Because most of the other people on the team were kind of the, uh, the X-Men, I should say, are kind of, you know, they're pretty much like your classic good guys. You know, they they're more of like I'm gonna take the bad guy in for justice rather justice. than uh, you know give him dark justice, <laughs> which is you know a claw through the heart or something like that. But I think you know they keep Wolverine around because they know that sometimes like you need that guy who's a little who can take care of who kind of toes the line between you know right and wrong and. You know, I'm sure Mundungus has a lot of, um, like, sources. I'm sure he has a lot of connections. Contacts. Uh, in the uh, in the less than... Um, savory. Savory. Oh, I like that word. Community. Uh, wizarding community. So, yeah, I think that I kind of saw Mundungus as just like, oh, what, why is he even here? Like, he didn't do the one job he was supposed to. He's sleeping through the meeting. He's uh, obviously either intoxicated or just not caring but Sirius kind of you know makes a point that you kind of need 
somebody with those kind of resources and with that kind of attitude on the team just to kind of balance things out. Uh, talk a little bit about the interaction between Harry and Sirius in this chapter, because I thought that this was pretty interesting. Because there's this moment where Sirius asks Harry, how's your summer going? And that kind of sets Harry off, because Harry's biggest complaint has been, I'm being kept in the dark about the news, nobody's talking to me, I'm stuck in this abusive household with the Dursleys, I'm being coddled like a child. But Sirius kind of fires back with his own tales of woe recently, and they both kind of bond over it. Yeah, I, I was a little confused by that interaction. I was like, like it felt like he was poking him, because he knows, he knows he wasn't happy, he knows he didn't have a good summer. But, I don't know, it just all seemed very intentional. I'm going to make you complain, and then I'm going to show you that it wasn't. It's not so bad. You had it easy. And maybe, you that, got was, out. maybe that was Sirius's plan You got to go along. stretch your legs. You got to get in a couple of fights. Mm-hmm. I wish I could get to fight some Dementors. <laughs> well, I think he was also talking about just, like, fighting the, like with Dudley mm-hmm. and the people in the neighborhood and... He did mention the Dementors, though. Too. Yeah, yeah, he meant to mention the Dementors, but it was just like... I wish somebody would try to kill me every once in a while, but I can't, because I'm cooped up cleaning this house I all can't day. even leave the house, and I have to clean. I just I thought do that, chores. I thought it was kind of interesting, because they... I think, like you said, Sirius obviously noticed that Harry is frustrated. Mm-hmm. Sirius is also frustrated, and they're both frustrated with Dumbledore a little bit as well, too, aren't they? Yeah, I think my problem with it was, and it shows up more later, too. Sirius, I don't, he's just not really an adult. He is, but he is not. We kind of get that later on um, in the, the interaction with Sirius and Molly, where Molly kind of accuses serious of just treating harry like he's james yeah like it's that he's not he just because he looks like your best friend doesn't mean he's your best friend yeah and you know he didn't you know they talk about kids who missed out on their childhood well he didn't miss out on his childhood but he missed out on his young adulthood because mm-hmm. he was in prison mm-hmm. so he's i don't say he's i mean he did mature in certain ways because he went to prison and but He's also still kind of stuck in those days where him and James were hanging out and up to mischief. And there was kind of like a very sudden, like you said, his young, his younger adult years. There was kind of like a sudden change in the trajectory of his life. Like all this, one minute I'm hanging out with my friends. The next minute, the Dark Lord is back or the Dark Lord is here my best friends are dead. My other best friend um, has turned to evil. And I'm in prison going crazy. Yeah. You know, it was just like, uh, you know, it just kind of, you know, reminds me of like when uh, the United States used to have like the, the draft for the war. And these kids like fresh out of high school had all these dreams and aspirations about what they were going to do with their life whether it was gonna work work here get married go to college have that experience whatever nope you we need you to go to vietnam (laughs) have fun have a good summer you you may have never shot a gun you may have never you know even been in a fight but yeah you're young and healthy and you might not come back you know it's, it's just kind of and then pretty much they're a lot of those those kids that went to war are scarred for the rest of their life. I mean, Sirius is scarred from Azkaban. He is not the same person he was before. And I think there's, there's a, like a correlation there between, you know, a kid being plucked out, you know, plucked out of, uh, fresh out of high school and going over and just seeing and doing and experiencing horrible things. And then coming back and, you lost your innocence. You've lost your um, any like youthful exuberance you had uh, were taken away from you in those formative years. 
and a lot of that happened with Sirius too. And so he's kind of like trying to play catch up maybe with, with some of that, but also yeah, he on, didn't mature normally. Yeah. On top of it all, he didn't learn how to become an adult. He mm -hmm. just is an adult now. Mm -hmm. And everybody kind of just expects you to act like that. It, I see that with like the Mungungus thing too. Like he's just like, oh, well, he doesn't think he should be here. Really doesn't really like him and he's just kind of like whatever because i think it just has that younger mindset that mm -hmm. you know younger kids get up to mischief and it's mm -hmm. funnier and it's not doesn't have the the moral weight as it does on molly who is like no i'm raising children i don't want them around this this is inappropriate this is not good conversation for dinner you see, see that in this chapter, too, where Mundungus is telling his stories about basically ripping people off. And the kids are just laughing their heads off. Mm -hmm. They just think it's the greatest thing in the world. And I feel like Sirius is more on that side. Mm -hmm. He's still kind of with the kids. Like, haha, yeah, it's funny. No, Molly, it's funny. Lighten mm -hmm. up. Who cares? But Molly's, no, these are things that are against the law. These are things you can get in trouble for. Not to mention they're cruel and mean and you're ripping people off and... You know, they may needed that money to do something else. And, you know, she just can see the broader effect of everything, I mm -hmm. think. Not just the, the immediate humor in getting a guy to pay for something you just stole from him. So what's with the, the fact that Sirius and Harry are both a little upset with Dumbledore right now? It seems like everybody's. The Ministry's upset with Dumbledore. <laughs> Harry's upset with Dumbledore. Sirius... What's going on there? Um, I mean, Dumbledore is told Sirius, you know, you got to stay in the house. You can't go out roaming around even in your dog form because Wormtail knows that trick and has already told people. So it's not a good disguise anymore. It used to be like a fail safe. Hey, I can just go on out whenever I please. Do you think there's... Uh, dark wizards just going around razzing just random black dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if one comes snooping around, the dog, but the, the dog just wants the, a treat, and it's like, hey, you guy food? The darkly, it's serious, get away! The dark-furred dog community is... <laughs> is In peril is, right now. Yeah, they're just really having a rough go of it right now. <laughs> you know, they always say that like the, the, the dark-furred dogs are the ones that have the hardest time getting adopted. Yeah, black dogs and black cats don't get. But now they can't even like be strays uh, without getting razzed by uh, by dark wizards by, by Death Eaters. <laughs> I just imagine them chasing the chasing these dogs around and uh, dogs like, I dude, what I do, I don't understand. Get out of here! <laughs> You're not spying on us. Oh, that just popped into my head. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sirius talks about how similar to Harry, little information he's been given. So yeah. Sirius is, you would think, one of the more prominent members of the Order of the Phoenix, but Sirius is not out and about in the world, so he's basically reliant on what people are coming back and telling him, yeah, right? Yeah, all secondhand information and... You know, for a guy who was in prison to basically now be on, like, house arrest, this is pretty, you know, I could see how he'd be irritated and a little, a little twitchy about this mm -hmm. arrangement. And all of the info that Sirius is getting is coming from these snarky reports from Snape. <laughs> yeah, mostly from Snape and... How Snape's out there risking his life being a double agent. You're sitting here cleaning the cleaning. house. How's the cleaning going, Sirius? <laughs> Sorry, that's not a good Snape voice, but... I thought it was pretty it was good. It a little snotty. And we know that Sirius and Snape have a just an awful, awful relationship. You know, dating all the way back to their days at, at Hogwarts. So the fact that not only is Sirius isolated in this house all the information is coming from one of the people that he dislikes the most on this planet mm -hmm. and 
you know, Snape is the one giving the information so he can present it in however form he pleases. And I don't really picture Snape this way, but he's kind of playing the role of, like, superhero or the, the the secret agent and like he's got the lead role in all of this you know it's like he, if it was a movie he'd be the main character because he's the one out there yeah he's the one that's act, like actively doing actively and working in danger both sides, yeah. and yeah like even and Dumbledore's so, not, not I think Sirius that. even in his group he kind of was like you know the star he was the cool guy he was the cool guy he had the coolest hair, that's for sure. He had the motorcycle. I mean, come on. Nice. So now it's Snape with his not cool hair. A <laughs> uh, big moment at the end of dinner where Sirius kind of makes a proclamation that Harry deserves to have at least some of his questions answered about what's been going on. And this sends Molly Weasley into a rage. Why is Molly so incensed by this? Um, I don't think she really trusts Sirius's judgment. Like she sees him as like a child mm-hmm. she has to keep in line more than a man boy. Yes. Another man boy, another child I have to take care of. Um and She's very protective of Harry. This is the big famous line where he says, it's not one of your sons. And she says, it's good as. Mm-hmm. It's basically mine. I have adopted him since day one on that platform. You know, he he's my son's best friend. We look after him on summer holidays and stuff. He's come to stay with us. She's just like, no, he's mine now. I got like I can't even keep track. Now. I can't even keep track of how many I have. So my, what's one more? Just throw one more on there. I mean, I think there's also the fact that Molly doesn't want her children to know everything that's going on, but whatever Harry knows is going to get back to the rest of them. To the rest right? of them, yeah. So basically, telling Harry everything is also telling everybody who's not in the order who's in the house as well. So basically, whatever you tell Harry is just like, might as well have my kids in the room because they're going to find out too. I think it was Lupin was kind of like, well, I'd rather hit. I felt like it was one of those like coming of age talks where they're like, let me sit down and tell my child the truth about life. Let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. Rather than get misinformation from other places. Like the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Alupin was referring to the extendable ears and uh, the naughty Weasley twins who would, you know, overhear things and it might be taken out of context and then blown up and then misconstrued and, you know, the telephone game. So he was like, let's just set the record straight right now. So then there's this aggressive back and forth between Molly and and Sirius. And Sirius feels that he is kind of the father figure in Harry's life now. You know, being Harry's godfather. Godfather. And and that Sirius has the right to make the best choices for Harry. And Molly, like you said earlier, feels that she has invested the time and the love into her family's relationship with Harry. And Harry is basically a son to her. So Molly and Sirius is just a man child. Molly feels like that she should have a bigger say in Harry's well-being. And then Molly makes a comment about how the Weasleys did most of the family work with Harry because Sirius was locked up in Azkaban and this, that was too far. This almost starts a fight. That was a little too far. It's mm-hmm. like, "Woo! Ooh. It's like maybe you you could have had uh, more uh influence in his life. You weren't in jail, loser." And Le- Sirius, like, gets up out of his chair and kind of, like, bows up a little bit, at, you know? <laughs> like, what are you going to do to Molly Weasley, like, first of all? Like, are we going to are we gonna have a fight right here at the dinner table? Wizarding fight. With all the children. Who's setting a good example now? Yeah. Um, I have never, ever, 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 ever. Like, we compare Mrs. Weasley to your mom all the time. But never compared Mr. Weasley to your dad. Mm-hmm. And... I felt like it was just a little out of character for Mr. Weasley, a little too put together for him. But 
I just felt like that was when she when she wanted backup from Arthur. It kind of felt like it was your dad's. Well, at least his lawyerness coming out. Oh, well, you know, technically they're well, adults. Paula, honey, I uh, well, <laughs> legally. I I just I think maybe we should just let them work it out. Uh, <laughs> but she wanted to make the twins leave, and they were of age and legally adults. And he's like, you can't force them to leave now. Like according to the statutes of wizarding. Uh, Age requirements, uh, 432.AB, by virtue of them being of age, they are allowed to make their own decisions. And then Ron makes his plea that, you know, whatever you tell Harry, he's just going to tell me anyway, so just let me stay. And there is a moment where Harry kind of go, where Ron says, Harry, Harry, will you, will you just tell us what they said? And there's a moment where Harry... His kind of inner monologue says, maybe I should tell him that I, I won't yeah. repeat it to him. So they kind of know what that feels like. Because that's yeah. how I felt all summer. His bitterness bubbled but, up. But he overcomes that and says, yeah, of course I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, of course. So we almost have so a fight there because <laughs> Molly kind of crosses the line a little bit. Yeah. And uh, Molly eventually just kind of says you know what this it's like this fight is it's not worth the drama you know you guys are obviously set in your ways i'm obviously going to get outvoted here mm-hmm. well and there's no real way to stop it even if she puts a stop to this conversation at the dinner table Sirius and harry can hang out anytime while he's staying there and he can get filled in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't really stop it. You can't really control it. Let's have it happen right now where she can kind of keep an eye on things. Rather than in a room when she's not around. So the order begin to answer Harry's long burning questions. Uh, basically find out that Voldemort hasn't really made any major moves. Uh, what's Voldemort been up to as of late? Just kind of vacationing in the Hamptons? Um, well, they said that he, his first goal is going to be to build up his army, his following. So, I mean, right now, I mean, they kind of point out, he's only got like a dozen or so Death Eaters. If, if the Ministry were to accept that he was back and they move, like, go hunt him down, send out all the auras, he'd be outnumbered. Mm-hmm. It's like the prime time to go after him. I'm going to assume he's still a little weak. He just got his body back. He's feeling it out. He's on Bambi legs. He's still got his sea legs. (laughs) So, yeah, now would be the time to go after him. But instead, they're in denial. And he's having a chance to get some followers, get some backing. But that's not, like, they're saying that's his number one thing. But then they also say that he's not even hardly doing that he's doing something else he's focused on something else on attaining and they call it like it's like a weapon mm-hmm. and they don't really go much further into it than that but he's after something he wants there's an object a thing he wants to have before he gets going we also learn a little bit about the strained relationship between Dumbledore and Cornelius Fudge. And it seems that it's it's not just that Fudge is in denial about Voldemort's return, but there's also a deeper sense of insecurity for Fudge that's been around for years, right? He's worried that Dumbledore is going to take his job? Yeah. I don't want to say I forgot about that, but um, before... When the previous Minister of Magic was retiring, stepping down, everyone, the public, the popular vote, which, I mean, it wasn't like an official vote, but everybody wanted Dumbledore to take it. And so, but he didn't want it. So then Fudge was like, what about me? Can I maybe do it? Well, I would like to be considered. And everybody's like, eh, well, Dumbledore won't do it. I guess you could do it. That's not a big... Not a great way to step into a leadership role. I only got this because the guy that everybody wanted didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, he's a little insecure. That, like, at any moment, Dumbledore could be like, Hey! I do want that job! And everybody would be like, Yay! Get rid of this guy! So, if, when you look back on it, it kind of makes you think about all of the interactions that Fudge and Dumbledore have had since Fudge has been minister. There, There's probably always that undercurrent of insecurity that Fudge has anytime he's had any kind of interaction with, with Dumbledore. When all these crazy things have been happening at Hogwarts, when the first time uh, he Fudge met Harry, I mean, there's, there's probably all of these... Uh, all of these events kind of have a different view to it in my mind now that I look back on it with these glasses. Yeah, that he was... Like, it's, it'd have to be a weird feeling to be the boss, but no, you're not really the boss. Like, feel like you still have to get Dumbledore's approval mm -hmm. or make sure that he agrees with what you're saying, you know, that you're on the same page. Like, well... Obviously, if this is what Dumbledore would do, then it's the right move. It's kind of like in England where they, they've got the prime minister, but they all they always have to check with the queen, mm -hmm. and the, like the queen doesn't really have any power to <laughs> change laws or anything like that. But she kind of does have a lot of influence because big stuff gets run through her still. Yeah, and. It seems like if she disagrees with what's going on, mm -hmm. that and she says so, that makes the the people will prime minister look will kind of sway to her. Mm -hmm. It seems like because and you then don't... the prime minister is the one on the outs, which right. is kind of the same thing. I think Fudge is worried about is yeah. if Dumbledore disagrees with him and he's more popular, then he'll lose the people. Yeah, there's definitely some synergy there, and I think that I mean maybe J.K. Rowling kind of had that in, in mind. her mind that because, dynamic because you see like the the when the Queen's Jubilee happens and just thousands and thousands of of well wishers are just there just fawning over the Queen and it's just this big celebration. Nobody treats the Prime Minister like that, no. you know. It's like it's like how we treat our celebrities here in the states we don't treat the president like that no you know it's, it's everything's their fault yeah even if it's not yeah it's all the president's fault yeah every bad thing ever and then i it's it's probably the same way with like the the good things that happen they don't get credit for but it's kind of like a like a coach in basketball like when they win oh the plus because of the players the players when they amazing. lose oh the coach because the coach made a bad decision you know it's it's Fudge is in a position where if you are an insecure person, you are not going to thrive <laughs> in, a, in a position like that. But somewhere along the line, this dynamic shifted and Fudge decided, no, I'm because they were that's kind of what they're saying. He's decided that he's smarter than Dumbledore mm -hmm. and he's going to. And I have resources, too, um, and I'm going to utilize so those. So I guess he's become more comfortable in his position. It's worked out enough times now that he feels like he can do it. And Fudge is using... And he using, can go against Dumbledore. He's using all the weapons that he has. I mean, he's utilizing the media, as we've talked about, basically controlling uh, the stream of, of news that comes through the Daily Prophet. Dumbledore has some other prominent positions that he's held... That now he's lost out on because of the, the influence that, that Fudge is exerting. Uh, Dumbledore is vote, voted out as the chairperson of the International Confederation of Wizards. No longer on the Wizard High Court. They may be taking away the Order of Merlin next, Jess. Oh, no. Not the Order of Merlin. First class. <laughs> Fudge is truly a politician, isn't he? Yeah, you know, this just this conversation really kind of shifted... You know, it's been a while since I've read the books. And so this wasn't something I really, really called with clarity. This, this is just a little conversation. So it's like an offhanded comment in here about him deciding that he's more clever than Dumbledore. In the movies, 
he's really more portrayed like he's losing his sanity. Like he's so scared of the possibility that Voldemort might be back that he's just, no, 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 that can't be true. Oh, no, 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 that can't be true. Ah! He plugs his ears and he, la, 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 la. It just kind of has a totally different vibe taking this little comment into consideration that he's being manipulative. It's still not clear if he really believes it or doesn't believe it. Or he just can't face it. But he somewhere thinks that he can handle this without Dumbledore. So there's lots of drama going forward. Uh, within the Order of the Phoenix and the Wizarding World Beyond. And we're going to talk about all of it as we go chapter by chapter here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. We do have an email. Ooh, an email. Uh, and this comes from a... I was a, wondering uh, if that's why you grabbed your phone. Uh, this comes from a, a person you might know. Uh, our good friend Mike. Mike! Yeah, Mike uh, writes, Hi, Jess, Dan, and puppies. With summer in full swing and Harry's summer coming to an end, a question occurred to me. What would a wizard theme park be like? Yes, Universal Studios has explored the idea, but I think that's more of a muggle's view of being a wizard. You know, buying a wand, drinking butterbeer, and flying on a broom are pretty much basic things for a wizard or witch. Assuming that the rides wouldn't be mechanical, and the other attractions wouldn't be common, every everyday wizardry stuff, what would you want to see in a magical Six Flags or Cedar Point? Keep up the great work. Bye, Mike, your fellow Ravenclaw, my fellow teacher, uh, soon to be former resident of the city of St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> He's moving halfway to Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. So when we go up to I see... I because you didn't say where it was from. Like, usually you say Bob from mm -hmm. Jerseyville. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm going to say Bob, for, or Bob. I'm going to say Mike, formerly from St. Louis. There you go. Soon to be from Peoria, Illinois. Isn't he technically there already, though? You, yep. you could say. I mean, he owns a house in both places. Yeah, though. he's he's <laughs> high he, class. He's a very he's a public school teacher, so he's a very rich <laughs> guy. He has multiple uh, houses because they haven't sold their current one, but I'm sure it'll sell because everybody's paying tens of thousands of dollars more than what houses are worth right now, and yes. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how the housing market works. Apparently, there's a shortage of houses. Uh, so. A theme park catering exclusively to wizards and witches. I don't know. I don't really think... What I'm picturing, I wouldn't call a theme park. I would think of it more along the lines of, like, France Farm? Now most people don't know what that is. But, like, I would think they would have... It's kind of like a pseudo-zoo. Yeah, like a zoo... But more, like, but it's more interactive. Like a, yeah, it's kind of like a zoo slash animal sanctuary slash safari. Yeah. There's beer at the end. The, yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's owned by Anheuser-Busch. Um, yeah, so I think it would have like a lot of the magical creatures mm -hmm. that you could interact with. Maybe more tame versions. Last-ended scroots. Yeah, no, not those. <laughs> but, you know, maybe like. Hippogriffs that you could ride and interact with. That's what with. I was thinking. I was thinking like... Maybe even like a tamish dragon mm -hmm. that you could... That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. I I don't know if the wizard Like maybe the the uh, the mutt dragons, the ones that uh, didn't grow up as big as the... <laughs> not not the... What's, what's the smallest uh, in a litter called? The runt. The runt. runt. The, the runt dragons. Yeah, those are the ones that we could maybe have the kids ride. There you go. Or um, or it might be like maybe they're fake dragons on like a carousel kind of thing. I don't think they'd have like big roller coasters or anything. And I don't think they'd even want that because like you said, they can ride brooms. So mm -hmm. what would be the point of being on a roller coaster? You could do whatever you wanted on a broom. What about like broom like bumper cars? Like we could like attach like bumpers to the brooms. And you could, like, smash into each other and stuff. Put them in, like, a big bubble. Yeah. And you could fly around, hit, run, bump yeah, into so things be, it's, and it's, people. Yeah, it's so all, it's all supervised. Yeah, it's fine. Totally fine. So it would um, be safe. We'd, we'd have to, like, buckle people into the... We'd have to modify the rooms a little bit. They'd be in the bubble. Oh, each, they would each get their own bubble? Yeah. Okay. Like, 
the, the people like the big, who the run big, around in the, the bubble. The big inflatable bubbles people smash into each other. Yeah. Interesting. You'd be in a broom, on a broomstick. Mm. Maybe they have areas where you can rent, like, super fast broomsticks. You fancy ones. Mm-hmm. And zip around on those. Or, um, yeah. Things what like kind that. of, uh, kind of food we talking here? Are we talking, um, like just regularly, like, I'm sure there'd be like a, a Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, uh, Oh yeah, they shop. definitely set up a franchise in there. Um. Maybe a Panda Express. <laughs> Our Six Flags <laughs> has a Panda Express. Yeah, maybe stuff but like with different cultures because if people, even wizarding families, if they're traveling to a place like this, there might be, they might have like a food court that has food from different countries. Would be interesting. Um, what about like a Voldemort theme, like a uh, haunted house? <laughs> Something. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't think they would do that. They can't even say the name. It'd be the. Like like a big mouth you have to walk into, like a big Voldemort mouth you have to walk into to get into like the no. mirror maze or something like that. <laughs> they can have like, Too a, soon, like, Daniel. Like, like a fright fest. <laughs> a bunch of Bellatrixes running around. Um, there'd be like something, some carnival game where you got to catch the, the chocolate frogs. And they probably would have like a, a food tent truck that has like muggle foods. Maybe they have like uh, be like a Epcot situation where they have like the different uh, like countries for each one, and there'd be like a like a Romania one, and there would be like a, a Ireland one where all the leprechauns are <laughs> dancing around, and yeah, then they have different themes. And then there would just be like Muggleville, New, New York City, <laughs> Muggleville, <laughs> where everything's very plain and normal, and that's where Mister Weasley would spend all of his time. Look at that. You just get like, you know, a pizza and a can of Fago for two dollars. Yeah. Just right on the corner. Yeah, there'd be uh yeah, there'd have to be a Muggleville. There'd have to be some muggle stuff in there. Like Santa would be there. You could just like sit on Santa's lap. Year round, no reason. Yeah. Like at Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Santa's there year round. Uh anything else? What else? Uh I'm I'm kinda just trying to picture six flags in my mind and but without uh, the rise. Yeah. I mean, there'd be like caricatures and stuff like that. But it would be, you know, all done with uh, like those fancy pens that Rita Skeeter has that just writes things for you. It would just be like a pen floating in the air doing a, a caricature. Um, I don't know where it is, but if it was somewhere nice enough, they'd definitely have a lazy river. Mm-hmm. I could totally see some wizards just laying in an inner tube. Mm-hmm. It's like Dumbledore with his shirt off and like. An excessive amount of uh, sunblock on his nose. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see them getting on board with that. I could see that too. Um, What about like shows? Like you know, Six Flags and Disney have like the the shows. Maybe they have uh, like a Muggle Magic show. I think would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, probably just like trained, like somebody trains a bunch of Cornish pixies to do tricks or something. That kind of show. Mm-hmm. So we're saying this is doable. Yeah, we're totally saying doable. this is to- to- We just need a plot of land, and we can make it happen. Yep. <coughs> Sorry. So uh, thanks, Mike, for sending us that email. Uh, you can always send us your emails: broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail dot com. A uh, little reminder here: as we, if you're listening to this as it releases here in July of 2022, we got a big event coming up. In a few weeks. I almost hit the Wawa fail. <laughs> Wawa, God, I hope it's not going to be a Wawa fail. There's so I, I have nightmares about it already. There's so many things that could possibly go wrong. It'll be fine. Uh, August fifth through the seventh. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Uh, in Chicago at McCormick Place, C two E two twenty twenty two, baby. Woo-hoo! And we've been uh, selected. Hand-selected. Hand-selected out of uh, millions of applicants. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You don't know. To uh, do a Harry Potter trivia event at 1 o'clock on Friday, August 5th? Is yep. That Friday, August 5th? Yep. 1 o'clock in the yard. In the yard. Which is basically just put a 
put your finger right in the middle of the the floor, the show floor for C2E2. It's, there's like literally AstroTurf and park benches and picnic tables, so it's people not like bags you can and miss horseshoes it. Horseshoes and stuff like that. Most people just go there just because they're just so their feet hurt so bad from yes. walking around all day. You just need some place to sit, have your snack. Um, how's Catherine going to do? She's going to be super pregnant when that yeah. happens. Yeah. I, I don't know. She's been through it before. I think she knows what she can do and what she can't. She, yeah. can't, she can handle it. She might be spending a lot of time in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to make somebody give up their seat for her. <laughs> can't you see she's pregnant? And Get I'm going to be super aggressive about it. But yeah, 1 o'clock, uh, we're going to be doing some Harry Potter trivia. we got some... Pretty cool prizes to give away, and we're going to be doing attendance prizes too. So even if you're not like a trivia wizard, you can yeah, still win some come. cool prizes just by by showing up. And definitely, if you're a listener, come say hi to us. Yeah, that'd be great. Like, I'm sure most of the people there are going to just be like, "Oh, Harry Potter trivia by some people." So I've but I've sent if out. Listen, I've probably sent out mm, two dozen T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, not and not counting like friends and family, but like probably two dozen T-shirts since we've been doing this podcast to listeners. You know, if if they do some, if they send me an email or do something that that you tickles said me, Mike a shirt. Uh, I don't. Know, I think Mike already has a shirt. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll have an intern look it up. We'll have Kelly. an intern research that for us. But I think it'd be pretty cool if somebody if if we sent you a T-shirt and you wear the T-shirt to the trivia. You're going to get like... I, I'll have a special prize for There's going to be special... There's going to be something. We're, so, Anastasia and, and I... And you're going to get a very awkward long hug from me. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Um, Anastasia and I are going to make the first, second, and third place prize packs. Mm. So, we will also add to our list fan? Podcast fan prize? Yeah. With I think that'd shirt? be great. I think if you, if you come... If you're one of the... <laughs> 20 or 25 people in the world who have a broomsticks and butterbeer shirt. Somebody t-shirt. out there has got a broomsticks and butterbeer shirt. They're going to go, oh, God. And they're probably kind of their phone right now looking up what is C2E2 and where is it at? Mm-hmm. I got to go because I want to Like, prize. wow, that's only 9,000 miles away. <laughs> thousand? Yep. You know Jennifer is going to do it. She's, like, not going to tell us. And she's going to show up. Jennifer and she's going to have her T-shirt. And she's going to be like, guys, Jennifer I goes my to, prize. She goes to South America, but she won't come to Chicago to... To see us. Nope. Uh, speaking of which, can I borrow the soundboard there for a second? As we wrap up here, let me see if I got something here. Uh, there's been uh, some accusations thrown around about uh, us and me specifically. I've been I've been called out a lot recently in our uh, little group of friends. A lot of people have just been. Uh, uh, Jennifer was was hot in her uh, oh, apartment yeah. the other She's day. She's sweating. And she got was, angry. Uh, was get, and gets very angry at me. She gets uh, she gets a uh, a short fuse, and gets very angry with me when she's either hungry or hot. And and by hot, we're like you know it's eighty. What was yeah, I don't and, know what the temperature was in California, in, in but so, it, in Southern California, if it hits, not actually hot. <laughs> but I mean the the temperature thing with with Jennifer and specifically in, in Southern California is that it's 68 and she's in a hoodie with earmuffs <laughs> or, or it's 75 and she's, you know, sweating her head off. So there, there's, there's, there's not much of a, a sweet spot there for temperature where she's not going to be upset with me, but, uh, I've kind of been, uh, there's been some accusations made from some of our friends that uh, we've gotten too big for our britches and that we don't mention them on the the podcast anymore because we're like too much of a big deal now. I don't I I don't think that's what she was saying. I think that's, she, I think those were the exact words that were said. She said that you have a big sign off line now. That that you're focusing on and not the shout outs at the end. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Jennifer, 
in California. Even though you're not coming to Chicago and you don't love us, we love you. Catherine in Chicago is coming, even though she'll be heavily pregnant. She's going to come and walk around in the crowded convention center with us all day. Jane and little baby Ronnie over in Illinois. Not coming to see Tweet 2. Yeah, that's okay though. Yeah. Kelly is and, coming. And Olivia. Not Olivia. <laughs> in Manhattan. But currently in but, Illinois. But summering in, in Illinois. Anastasia. Who's coming for a whole week to stay with us and do all the cool St. Louis things. There aren't that many. Anybody else? Jennifer, Jane, Anastasia, Kelly, Catherine, Ronnie, Olivia. Because, I mean, if I need to <laughs> hit it again, I can hit it again. Uh, Mike, thanks for emailing in. Say hi to Libby and Uno for us. But uh, other than that, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Wrap it up. So thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Uh, like I said, C2E2.com for your tickets if you don't have them already. August 5th, 6th, and 7th. Make sure you're there on Friday. Friday at 1 o'clock in the yard at McCormick Place in Chicago. I think uh, uh, the actor that played Oliver Wood is going to be at C2E2. Yes. Yes, he is. Ooh, maybe I'll... Uh, See if he'll come up to the, the trivia. <laughs> He's like, probably for $50, I will. <laughs> and I'll stay for five minutes. Mm. What a great guy. Uh, Quidditch, uh, Gryffindor captain, yeah. Oliver Wood. How about that? Yeah. Uh, a keeper, I believe. Is he a keeper? Yeah, I think he was. Right, we'll have an intern look that up. Kelly, if you could look that up <laughs> for us and get back to us. Broomsticks.butterbeer.com. Uh, Broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Or... At BroomsticksB on Twitter. Until next time, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Or a git. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you then. Bye. I got some magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Everybody knows.